J-Lo's joining. Hey, J-Lo. I knew I'd have a new friend. J-Lo, can you not? <laughs> this is the most active I've seen J-Lo all week. She is. <laughs> <laughs> face, she hated that quote. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> you just spill water all over your dog? Nice, that's what you get. Hey y'all, welcome back to What the Hell Do I Do Now? I'm your host, Genevieve Henderson, and I am so excited that you've tuned in. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, send it to your friends and family, anyone who resonates with the things we talk about. So, here we go y'all, hope you enjoy. I'm so excited. I'm excited. I've waited my whole life. <laughs> Can't say I've waited that long. I'm sorry. You might be your, more excited than I am. Is this your first podcast? It is my first podcast. Wow. I'm honored. It's a whole new career <laughs> path for me now. Whole yeah, new Jake. career path. Perfect. Um, okay, amazing. Well, why don't you just share a little bit about yourself? I guess we'll, okay, we'll just go. Basically, just want you to share your experience playing baseball. Yours is, I feel like it's a little bit um, more unique because you're still in the Air Force. Like, you played at Air Force. Yeah. Obviously, that's a, like a school academy. <laughs> but then you, yeah. <laughs> you still have the structure of the Air Force. So it's yep. kind of like you left baseball, but you still have. Yeah, so baseball kind of like set me up for my career, which I know is a little different than most of your other guests on here. After high school, where we met, go oh, way back. Um, went to the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. Actually wasn't recruited to play baseball there at all. Ended up going there and then just emailing the coach, being like, hey, I like playing baseball. And I'm okay at it, I guess. You have any spots on the team? So he let me come try out. Ended up playing there all four years. And then after the academy, you don't really, there is an option, we get way into that conversation of playing <laughs> professional sports out of an academy. But I was not considered good enough to play professional sports, so. Uh, after that, I went straight to pilot training, and yeah, I'm stuck in the Air Force for the next, like, still six more years. Wow. Okay. Because after you were done playing, did you go right into... Yeah, so... Like, week after, month after, what did that look Yep, last game was a week before graduation. Graduated, we had the summer off, and then straight into pilot training in Del Rio. So, within a year, um, we, we were going again. Happened fast. That's quick. Yeah, not a lot of uh, not a lot of time to gather your thoughts. Life really gets you quick. <laughs> yeah, it's really fast. <laughs> what about like your friends, teammates? What did they do after? Obviously, everyone was in the Air Force, but do yep. most people stay? Yeah, so everyone's actually we're right at pretty much five years since we graduated. So everyone that I graduated with is still playing, or still serving in the Air Force. Bunch went to pilot training. We did have one that ended up signing. Or we had a few now uh, that even after me that played uh, in the minors and the majors since then uh, but everyone's serving in some aspect pilots uh, finance officers contracting officers all kinds of stuff a couple special tactics guys with that ass what's your title pilot pilot 
pilot, C-17 pilot. <laughs> we always say Rachel and Becca, and I were like, Joe just like delivers really nice pizzas. <laughs> we never we are, know what he does, so just said, We really are glorified truck drivers, for sure. <laughs> Biggest jet out there, and we just bring a lot of stuff to a lot of places. <laughs> Can't get more specific than that. Nope. Literally. <laughs> uh, we, can, we can talk about it, but that's just... Uh, truck driving's not that exciting. No, it's not. Thanks. Thanks, <laughs> Oh, what was the transition of leaving baseball like for you personally? Baseball specifically, I think I was I was pretty ready. Yeah. Uh, my body was falling apart at that point. My arm just couldn't do it anymore. Partial tears in every ligament in my arm by the time we were done. And I had played for twenty years. I I didn't expect to play like college baseball at all. Didn't expect to even play on a college roster, much less like D one stuff. So, I felt like I'd kind of lived out my baseball career path. Uh, so I was pretty content in leaving baseball. I think the part that I wasn't really ready for was like leaving a team aspect, leaving all of the like working out, the physicality of just being in a sport. I don't think I realized how much, even as a baseball player. <laughs> um, how physically like active we are yeah uh, how much that was athletics really took like a toll or helped out my body um, so I think that was like the biggest adjustment for me was just trying to figure out how to like stay fit and active again just without sports or team workouts or buddies to push you to do it around all the time it was just it wasn't fun it changes it yeah like I, I didn't enjoy working out anymore by myself I didn't really know how to work out anymore um, I kept like looking for a workout buddy to go with me, but with our crazy schedules after the academy, like no one was really around at the same time as you, so just kind of didn't happen. Do you know? Do you have fitness tests for Air Force? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we. It, I guess if you do well enough, you once a year, and it's two minutes of sit ups, two minutes of push ups, a mile and a half run, and none of them are numbers that would really impress you. Air Force is definitely not the most fit branch out there, I'll tell you that much. And you don't need to be, I guess. But we try. <laughs> Still the military. Still fit. Yeah, yeah. I've heard they count. What about do your teammates, like, do you ever run into them in the field? So I am currently in the same squadron as two of my best friends, my two teammates. I was probably closest with two other pitchers out there. Um, By just chance? Yeah, just chance which was incredible. I mean, we've all wanted to fly the same aircraft and go to the same place, but Air Force doesn't really care what you want that much, much more what they need. So the fact we all ended up together was really cool. But yeah, we do run into teammates kind of all over. Uh, just ran into one in Doha for a few days, Qatar, a uh, couple in Ramstein here and there. And it's it's kind of crazy because most of the time they're not like stationed there. All of a sudden you'll be like at a base or at a food court or something in between flights and see somebody you haven't seen in five years. And it's just, yeah. Super small world in the Air Force, which is crazy because, I mean, we're literally flying all over the world, so just running into guys is mind-blowing most of the time. What? Obviously, Air Force, I guess I assume, but has a lot of support structures and systems just because it's not just when you play baseball there, but also, like, they have that for the whole academy, I'm assuming. Yeah, so at the academy, yeah, they have all kinds of... um, they have like MFLEX, it's really structured like the military. You have, you know, mental health uh, support, and it's all, they advertise that they have it, but I'm not sure how many people really use it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like most people say, it's college, you think you're invincible, you're about as 
persistent as you can be at that point. And it's probably stubborn more than that. Um, but yeah, no, we had everything available, uh, which was cool. They came and talked to us, you know, once a year to let us know that they were there. I think more so, I think it's a lot more apparent in like the actual Air Force getting out. Yeah, they, I mean, especially in an academy, everyone's a real alpha personality. Yeah. Most of us, as you can imagine. So um, not a lot of people are open to going out and seeking help. It's just so interesting to me, like just Air Force in general, because that's when you have to serve directly after. Right? Yeah. Minimum of four? Minimum of five years. So, like, you kind of have your, not life, but, like, you have all your things planned. Yeah, at least for five years. I mean, it's actually very comforting. You know you'll have a job. You know you have payment, all health care and all that kind of stuff taken care of. I mean, as long as you don't do something really stupid and get kicked out. But, <laughs> yeah, there's been a few. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's a very different experience leaving college, I think, for us. You, you're told where you're going. So there's no worries about, hey, where do I need to look for a job? No thoughts, hey, where do I want to live? Do I want an apartment and housing? It's just, this is where you're going. Show up on this date and you'll start your job now. Wow. And again, you can put in a preference for what jobs you want, but most of the time you don't even get that choice. You're told what you're doing for five years at least. So some people, you know, they get their job and they get told to go to some places that are not as desirable and they get out, they're counting down days for their five-year commitment. And searching for jobs already. I've been incredibly lucky. So, you know, I went to pilot training. None of those places are anywhere fun, but uh, Angola ended up in Charleston, South Carolina for the military to send me there. It's a pretty, pretty nice gig. Yeah. Fly my number one choice of jet. So, my number one job choice, um, you know, amongst friends, close to home. I, I got, I got lucky. Are you five years in right now? Yeah, five years in. Graduated in 2018. And so then you've re signed? So, Pilot training is a little different. When you become a pilot, because it's the coolest job ever, yeah. you have a longer commitment. So it's... A semi-truck driver. Yes. So a great semi-truck driver. It's really pretty semi-truck. Pilots, it's a 10-year commitment from the day you finish pilot training. So I didn't finish pilot training until two years after I graduated. So I still have crappy math. Yeah, like eight, okay. seven, eight years. Katie spat out that number real quick. <laughs> She's counting down the days. <laughs> have you thought about what you want to do after? Every day. Changes every day. <laughs> um, oh no, it's, obviously it's a big thing trying to choose to stay in, retire, military is always a cool career path for a lot of people. Uh, flying for the airlines, it's probably what 90% of pilots do when they get out of the Air Force. Really good gig, really pays well. Home life is a lot better than anything I'm doing now. Uh, so that's always an option. Part of me doesn't want to fly airlines. You know, we do a lot of really cool flying in our semi-truck in the military right now. Uh, I go to a lot of places doing some really cool like tactical stuff here and there and I think flying commercially sounds pretty boring to me but um, I don't know I mean some kind of business management something like that down the road would be pretty cool uh, but I think essentially I'd, or ultimately I'd like to stay connected to the Air Force for a lot of reasons whether it's guard or reserves uh, you know kind of a part-time gig with it it kind of keeps like and I was saying before that team aspect of it all. Yeah, I have never been without it in my life, and the times that I'm not around it is like when I've struggled the most. Um, so obviously, with all the sisters and great family I've had growing up, it's a, like I've literally never been without someone next to me supporting me, doing the same thing, going through the shit with me. So it's like I I know that I need that in my life at least at this point. So I think holding on to that is healthiest for me and everyone around me. When you travel in your truck, <laughs> do you, how many people do you have? Is it just usually like you and someone else? 
so depending on how long the mission is and all that, it'll be at least me, one other pilot, and a loadmaster downstairs working with all the uh, cargo. But I've had missions where there's been five or six pilots and four loadmasters because we'll pull 24-hour days not getting out of the jet. Um, so we'll rotate through flying and trying to sleep in the back. It could be cargo in the back or we can hold you know a couple hundred people in the back, lighting up seats if we need to. Um, but it can get busy. Like air crew, yeah, we have... Usually they try to send you with three. That way you can have two pilots always in the seat and one can take turns napping. It's always fun when uh, you find out you're going on a mission. You can kind of ask uh, your schedulers if you can go on this one or say you'd like to go on that one or whatever. But as soon as you like find out you're on one, the first thing you do is check your crew, make sure it's people you like to fly with or if you can get <laughs> excited about it or if uh, you're just going to have to suck it up for a couple of days and probably not a lot of conversation. <laughs> Eight hours over the ocean at night can get pretty quiet when you don't have anything to talk about. Yeah, that sounds so... <laughs> especially, like, growing up in, in a big family where, like, there's always some sort of conversation. Oh, yeah. And, like, you can kind of talk to anyone. <laughs> so, like, if you can't talk to someone... It's, it's caught me off guard a few times. Oh. And then you're sitting there in the silence, and then it gets more awkward. And then I get stressed about it. <laughs> silence. Uh, silence is a good thing sometimes. I, I appreciate it every once in a while, but I like to have music or something going, get lost in my thoughts. <laughs> it goes way too far down that rabbit hole. In high school, I remember you had kind of mentioned, like, yeah, like, I'd love to play baseball, but, like, I'm looking at these schools, and then I remember one day you were like, yeah, I'm waiting for a, a letter back from, like, a congressman, <laughs> and then maybe I'll play. Yes. So, what was that process? Yeah, so, I mean, even in high school, I didn't get recruited to play anywhere. Um, not a top prospect. So, I loved playing baseball, wanted to keep going, but I wasn't willing to sacrifice good college and experience to go play at a crappy D3 school somewhere that didn't want me. So, I kind of accepted I wasn't going to play there. And then I ended up just not wanting to end up at a state school. There's nothing wrong with Florida, Florida State, um, it's great schools, but I just felt like it was all my fallbacks. It wasn't like accomplishing anything by getting in and going there. So talked to our college counselor and she told me about, you know, the military academies, which I had somehow never heard of before. And yeah, I had to do the whole academy application process in like a couple weeks. Usually people spend months on it. You probably heard it about as clearly as anybody. If you got that much out of me in the middle of the process, I don't think like my parents knew that it was happening at the time until I said I applied. Um, so it came really quick, but yeah, all of a sudden I was applying to the Air Force Academy and, you know, they're a division one school sports wise, but I don't want to be mean to the academy here, but their D1 sports are not SEC level. It's okay. So I thought there was a, a chance that I could go up there and play. I, like I said, I contacted the coach and he said, yeah, let me know when you're here. We'll have you, you know, hang out with all the recruits and walk on and stuff. So at least give me a shot. Uh, so it's kind of nice knowing that I, baseball wasn't completely over yet. Um, and obviously the academy was another, you know, step towards a good school. Coming out to Colorado was a dream. It's incredible. Sea Springs was amazing for four years. Things kind of just started to fall into place. Um, and I got really lucky that I had that college counselor, Miss Rizzi, to tell me about it. Miss Rizzi. Yeah, the goat. I don't I know where her. I'd be without her. I went back and saw her. Really? Last, well, went back to <laughs> went back to the old high school again. Uh, cousin was in homecoming and. Ms. Rizzi came up and we talked for like two hours. Oh. Yeah, it was great. Love her. I don't think I had her. I had someone else. But I don't remember who I had. 
Yeah, you remember Miss Rizzy. Not you remember Miss Rizzy, though. What did Miss Rizzy? <laughs> Tells you how great Miss Rizzy was. In Charleston, you're part of a bowling crew. <laughs> oh, that, what other the bowling team was in high school or college. Oh. <laughs> Shout out to those boys. Charleston, just like every other mid-20s male, I picked up golf. Like playing a lot of golf in Charleston. I mean, we go to the beach. Charleston's just like, it's pretty gorgeous year-round. So we like being outside. They have all kinds of outdoor bars and restaurants. We did, just like everyone else, got a COVID dog and love her to death. Tried to be outside with her a bunch. Uh, but really, we're like, we're close to home. Jackson was only a couple hours away, so we go back and forth to there a lot. We travel a bunch in the past few years. Uh, anytime we have off, we're traveling, whether it's just going to see friends, weddings, every other weekend, it seems like these days, about that time in our lives. But no, we just, like I was saying, my best friends in the world are in Charleston. Uh, Katie's best friends are in Charleston, so we just, every weekend, every night, have plans just hanging out with the big group. Which is awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, that's a that's the best support system out there. Honestly, is, is those guys because you know they're all going through the same stuff I am, traveling, you know, all over the world, lack of sleep, not being home, um, and then you know all their spouses also are going through, it, especially for Katie over the other side. Uh, so it's nice to like have someone you can talk to about all that kind of stuff that you know knows exactly what it feels like and what you're going through. So it, it's amazing to have them all around. Yeah, that's amazing that they're all in Charleston. Yeah, unheard of, lucky. <laughs> What's your dream, job, goal, hobby thing to do when you're done in the Air Force? I do want to keep flying. I love flying. I don't know if I could go do other things afterwards. Um, you know, we say we have the best desk in the world. You know, just the view in the sky, as cheesy as it is, it's just like it never gets old. Um, I've heard about some people that like somehow end up flying around sports teams for concert artists, like musicians. That's pretty sweet. So that, I mean, that'd be amazing. And even like, on a more realistic sense of that is, their schedules come out a year or two before, so you know exactly when you're flying, exactly when you'll be home, uh, which is amazing. A lifestyle that we definitely don't know right now. But then, yeah, flying around, seeing you know sports teams play a college football team every weekend or an NFL team would be amazing. I heard a guy that used to fly for Kenny Chesney and he said there's three pilots and he would just come out with his tour schedule and be like, all right, boys, figure it out. Let me know who's flying me where. And Kenny Chesney didn't care at all, so they'd be like, hey, this is my kid's birthday weekend. Can't take this one. And they would just work it out amongst themselves. Who was flying him around. So, like, that's a, that's a dream. That's a dream. That's, I mean, that's like, you, it just doesn't get better than that. But I like flying. <laughs> I mean, I still, I like flying around the little small propeller planes around, you know, smaller airfields. My wife refuses to get in a plane with me. It's what I do for a living. I like to think I'm pretty good at it. She won't do it. So goal is someday to get her up there. I told her for my 30th birthday, my birthday present is just that she flies with me for an hour or two. Well, and that, it's out in the world now. This podcast is world renowned. Joe's <laughs> manifesting this. Yeah, it's it's becoming a reality. So Katie's behind or kind of in front of us, just shaking her head. <laughs> that that's the dream. Get Katie in a plane with me. Would you ever get a plane? Is that like feasible to? Yeah. To just have it and store it at yeah. Charleston? I mean, depending on what you want to get, they can be as low as like $40,000. So it's like a, a car to some people. Keeping it like maintained, um, you know, they can pretty much have like marinas type thing. People would be more familiar with storing it. Uh, it can add up and get expensive, but people definitely do it for a hobby. Um, I, I, if I did, I would try to probably be an instructor and teach people and try to like pay it off that way. It's yeah. Definitely not in the cards right now. But people go up to like Oshkosh in Alaska and everyone's got all these planes with the giant wheels and they'll oh just have like 
thousands of planes fly up in the places in the mountains that you can't get to with a car. And they'll just go up there and party for a weekend looking at each other's planes and stuff. It's like there's a whole world of general aviation that is crazy to me. Not even that tempting, but it's like people, there's like a whole club. It's like a cult of people that have their own planes and just fly around for fun. And like meet up with each other? Yeah. Like there's actually with the Red Bull guys in their videos, they'll like take planes up, like go to a cabin you can't get to and they'll just like go skydiving out of their plane and come back and just land. Can't get to it any other way than one of these little planes. Have you skydived? I have. It's so fun. It was part of, it was a class at the academy. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Mandatory? Uh, no, it was optional, but it is the only place in the world my first skydive was solo. What? Yeah, I wasn't tandem with anyone. Oh my gosh. That's what I loved about skydiving. If I go down, I know someone's going down with me. <laughs> you, that, not that someone will save you, it's that they're going down with you. Like, <laughs> Come on, Jen. Oh, my sister's, yeah, you guys definitely knew this for sure. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, we do like three days of ground training. They hang you in the harness from the ceiling and run you through all the emergency scenarios over and over again. And then they just send you up and tell you to stand oh, in the, the door best. and go. Yeah. Wow. It was incredible. Were you the first to go? Who was the first to? Oh, Ardrew. Well, actually, the scariest part, I won't say his name because he's still embarrassed about this, but there was a lacrosse player that I was pretty good friends with. And he stood in the door, like, waiting for them to tell him to jump, and he froze. And like they couldn't get him to come back in the plane, they couldn't get him to go out the plane. He just like would not move. It was just terrified. Oh my god! So he had to come back into the plane eventually. And then they're like looking at the rest of us, like, "Hey, you guys ready to go?" <laughs> We're like, "Absolutely not! No way!" Uh, but we ended up, yeah, we went. I got like three jumps in one day, so I got a sunrise jump and then a sunset jump that day, which like over the Rockies was just amazing. Yeah, I'm sure it's unreal. One of them, I pulled my chute just super early so I could have more time under canopy just flying down. Only place in the world that lets you do your first jump solo. Did you land your first jump? Yep, absolutely. Right on my feet. Actually, we kind of got in trouble. They teach you to do the PLF, the parachute landing fall, something like that, things I should know. And like anyone that like just stood up, they like yell back because we didn't do it right or whatever. So then I just kind of like fell off to my side. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely stuck the landing and then fell. Uh, but yeah, it was amazing. And um, the Academy's got a parachuting team say they're the best in the world they might be i don't know much about other parachuting like teams flips and stuff so they do uh acrobatics or aerobatic stuff i guess it would be um and then yeah all kinds of flips they do like the two minute free falls where they're you know doing all the stuff back and forth with each other flipping around high fives whatever and then we have a demo team and they like they jumped into the super bowl they jumped to the world series wow. you got all these college kids and they run everything they do a lot of their coordination for events they're going to um, I mean, they pack their own shoes. They do everything on their own. But they go. I know people have gotten like five, six hundred jumps by the time they left college. That's it's, incredible. Yeah. So was tempted to go do that for a while, but they're too smart and better people than I am. So was good enough for that team. <laughs> to go be a. Through the wings of blue. The wings of blue. Can you do? Could you do that with baseball? Nope. Nope. That's a. Uh, we had, we had a bunch of baseball players. So we you take that class most. Like likely after your freshman year that summer. So guys will play their freshman year and then go take that and I want to do that instead. Again, for me, I wasn't sure I was going to continue to make the team as a walk-on, so it was super tempting to go have something else to do for four years. But we've had guys, you know, a couple of JUCO transfers or something, only have two years of eligibility and they'll go do that and be like, I'm not wasting this for one more year of baseball. So uh, we have a bunch of buddies that went and did it, which is awesome. And they compete against other schools? 
other schools, other like countries jump teams. You know, there's not a lot of schools that have like a parachuting team. Yeah. So there a lot of clubs, like parachuting clubs, um, people that do it on their own time. But you know, we're the best, apparently. So keep throwing that out. That's what um, I keep getting told. So you just you just spin facts. That's not even. Uh, yeah, I yeah I only have facts. Opinion, it's a no. fact. <laughs> I'm not dramatic or overemphasize anything at yeah. all. Never. My wife is glaring at me right now. <laughs> Never. <laughs> the most overdramatic. <laughs> <laughs> I blame it on my sisters. You're welcome. <laughs> just pass off some drama. Growing up with. Four girls. Three yeah. four girls. Four sisters. Yeah, let's talk more about that. Oh, yeah? You want to talk about you, Rach? Yeah, tell, tell us about that. Rachel wants to talk about her. Oh, we can talk about Rach. So, yeah, grew up with four sisters. I, I have to defend myself a lot. Um, I, I love rom-coms. Good. I love Broadway shows and musicals, and there's blackmail photos everywhere of me. And I always have to say, like, I grew up with four sisters. I know this, this is what it is. But yeah, they, they were they were great. They were two older, two younger. All played sports. I mean, obviously, soccer with you. But yeah, we, we got along all right. Ups and downs, but they're definitely the dramatic ones. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me I'm lying, Beck. I'm not denying that. Realization. <laughs> Rachel, Rachel does. Rachel likes to have a pride. <laughs> yep. Yeah, now three of them are all living within a mile of each other in Colorado after I left Colorado, being out here for five years. Yeah, you'll do a little flip-flop. Too dramatic, you probably wouldn't want to live by us anyway. I, I don't know how Danny lived with you guys. I, I couldn't live with my sisters again for years. How did... Like, around, but not... Yeah. Like, how did growing up in a big family like that, do you feel like that prepared you for, like, academy mentality? Academy, specifically. Or, I guess, yeah, like, like military dealing with you guys was very, like, the same as dealing <laughs> with the military, having people yell at me. No, <laughs> like, like, yeah, it, very like similar. unit, like, you have, like, you always, I remember growing up, it, like, you always make decisions based on family unit, and I feel like you have to do that now. And does it translate at all, do you think? Like, do you think people who are only child, an only child, like, had something to learn? I never thought about that much. Um... Well, I mean, I kind of said it before, but like the team aspect growing up in a big family was always around, which is a big thing sports-wise, military-wise for sure. But I think, yeah, I think it gets you thinking about how your decisions or actions affect other people for sure. I think I'm very aware of that, you know, through high school and definitely the academy. Um, but yeah, I think, that, I mean, I kind of always knew, and you said it the most probably, like what I did was always seen... It always affected what you guys did or how you felt. So it was always in the back of my mind, like, how would this look to you guys? How would this affect you guys? I think most older brothers always want to be a role model in some aspect or sense. And now Rachel's crying. See the dramatic <laughs> one. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, you, decision-making specifically, yeah, I think most of my, especially big life decisions, you know, whether I wanted to continue to play baseball, whether I wanted to go to Colorado for school, um, you know, when I got engaged and now I got my wife, every decision I make there is, I, I think I'm very aware of how that affects the people around me and in a selfish way. Now, right now, Katie's crying. No, you said there'd be tears. You go, I got my wife. I got my wife. Got her. Got it. Yeah, but I think in a selfish way, I always like wanted to be seen in a good light too. I don't know if that's 
I mean, I, I call it selfish because it's my reasoning for it, but I don't think it's a bad thing to be selfish about. But I like people to look at me in a good light and think that I'm doing good things. Yeah. And I think as a leader, that's it's a big part of you know your presence and how people look at you um, and look up to you. You know, you want to be a role model, um, and you want people to want to follow you based on actions and all that kind of stuff. So, yes, Rachel, I think growing up with a large family did start to help me prepare to be a military officer. Bam. How about that congressman answer? That was good. Thank you. Rachel, good question. Thank you. Wow. Oh, we got another peanut gallery. Okay, back up. Oh, God, here we go. (laughs) When were the times that you felt you didn't have a team? Like you said, they were in between times that were the hardest that you weren't with your team entirely. So I've I've been super lucky. I always have friends around me. There's always times on any sports team where you feel a little outed. I think everyone, whether you're the most popular guy or captain or anything like that, there's always moments um, even a week or so, you just have a bad week. And Especially baseball, so individual. I feel like. like individual. We're not unpacking that right now. <laughs> um, if you didn't hear, Rachel said baseball is an individual sport, so that's just <laughs> egregious. <laughs> but I think after the academy, um, everyone starts going through pilot training on their own time, sometimes different places. And I think just being on different schedules than everyone else, or with people that I wasn't used to hanging out with for the past four years. It was kind of weird just not having, you know, we had 30, 40 guys around us at all times doing the same thing. So I think at first, just going to different places, doing a different thing for the first time in years, doing things I've never done before. Uh, it's like kind of weird to be just uncomfortable around it. And luckily enough, there were other people going through the same discomforts as I was. But again, opening up, being that alpha personality, trying to be too stubborn to say I need the help with it all. It's like, it's really hard when you refuse to let people help you with it. Um, and I think as soon as you get over the line of, you know, asking for help is good and fine and will get you there, it gets so much better. But I said, no, I got through the academy alone. And I don't think you could, whether it was help with academics or the physical aspects of it or just the mentality of being at a military academy and negative 20 degrees and eight hours of sunshine. It, it got old. We call them the dark days every winter, the dark ages. But yeah, I don't know. Can't really think of too many specifics. Times at times at high school, when I was the oldest, they want problems to dribble down. Can't have problems dribble down. Always got to bring them up. You know, when you're kind of at the top of whatever chain you're at, you, you kind of have to wear it. Um, and if there's no one else around you, you know, side to side or above you, that's it can be a large burden to wear. So hopefully there aren't big situations like that that come too often, but there's always a few. I like that triple up. Yeah. Yeah, no trickle down. Always complain up. Solutions down. Always down. Thanks, Rach. Yeah. Appreciate that. Right. Yeah, you always want to go up the chain. Mm-hmm. Leadership 101. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. Check it out, Fox. Yeah. Class is in session. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. What's something new? What was something you were new Flying planes. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, the, the military thing, even though we just kind of talked about how I might have been somewhat prepared in other aspects, like I had never really considered going to a military academy. Um, and anyone that knows much about them or been there, like it's a completely different experience. Uh, it's not the normal college experience you expect to get. I kind of just like kept my head down and tried to get through it like a day at a time. You know, a lot of people showed up with big goals of being a pilot or anything like that. Like I was literally like, just get me to lunch, get me to the end of the week. Mm-hmm. I think I was like, didn't, I don't like failing. I hate quitting. 
and I think that's what drove me most of the time um, until it, I grew to absolutely love my time at the academy and wouldn't trade for anything in the world but taking orders from people that are smaller than you and having people yelling in my face was not something I'd done before and maybe subconsciously the word leadership roles but you know being just taught to become a leader for four years is just like it's, it's a weird experience um, it's kind of a subconscious thing you don't really expect to have but get out of these deeper conversations yeah flying a plane I'd never done before uh, just living at other places I didn't do a ton of like traveling I lived in West Texas and Oklahoma which no one would have ever expected out of me <laughs> uh, yeah and then you meet all these people from different backgrounds that do all this different stuff with their lives um, so just going and trying new things with all of them it's been fun I don't know if that's where you're going with that That's question. great. Oh, uh, we have two more <laughs> peanut gallery questions. I had it up first. So it's okay. So in baseball, specifically, you, you were talking about how the academy teaches every single person to be a leader, and that like every single person comes out like me to be a leader. They try. Okay, they try. <laughs> yes, but that's relevant. So like, how how is it being on a sports team where I feel like outside of the academy, there's like natural leaders and natural captains that come up and followers or like silent leaders versus a, a team that's like I want to be a leader everyone is learning to be a leader how what are those dynamics like to not be more cheesy leadership stuff I think being a good leader is realizing who's around you and your role around so you know being a team captain wasn't necessarily being a leader on the team you know everyone's a leader in their own aspects of that I mean again going to the academy 90% of people there are just alpha personalities uh, yeah. So at first, you got all these people that compete in absolutely everything they do, and that is draining. I was definitely one of those people. I grew out of it quick, mostly because I wasn't winning all the time, and it was killing me. Um, but you know, we go, and I was never the smartest kid, never the most physically fit, definitely not the best baseball player. And we got all these kids that are valedictorians, were captains and state players on all of their teams, and they like. I think it was harder for them because they weren't used to failing. They got kids that had never gotten a B before on any grade, and they show up to one of the most studious places in the world. And you know, on top of academics, you have all this other stuff going on that you can't just focus on your academics. And they freaked out. They couldn't handle getting Bs. They couldn't handle not being a leader. For me, I, I feel like I was always kind of had good leaders around me. You know, I wasn't team captains ever. Like, I was never kind of top tier in anything I really did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so. I think it was a little bit easier for me to kind of take a step back and let people lead in their situations. But again, I think the biggest part of it was knowing your role when you were supposed to step up as a leader. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really cool when everyone around you has that same mindset. Mm -hmm. So it's not all on one guy's shoulders. So yeah, when things get hard for one person, you can count on someone else to step up and get the teammates face if they need to, or get people yeah. riled up, or you know, go talk to the coach or calm someone down. Mm -hmm. There's I could think of more stories where not our team captains filled that role than our team captains. Mm -hmm. um, and that's nothing against our team captains. They were doing all this stuff on the sides, but there were so many like points in time where there's just situations where it wasn't on them. It would have been weird for them to go out of their way to be a team captain in that situation. So you had other people step up and be a leader. Mm -hmm. Higher up later on in your time at the academy, everyone kind of learns a little bit better how to do it. Yeah. It's much better. Yeah. I think a lot of, you know, first class guys, the first few years there need to kind of be put in their place mm -hmm. and figure it out a little quickly. But it is a cool place to see all those people growing into leaders as well. Mm -hmm.
that would be so difficult to go from being valedictorian, best in your class. You've never done anything wrong everything. in your whole yeah. life. And now you're just getting smacked around. <laughs> yeah. The academics was the hardest for me. And it was just, it was crazy that they do a bunch of bell curve stuff. They're a very techie school. So you know, getting a 48% on a test was a B. And people could not handle not knowing, like walking out of a test knowing you got more than half of them wrong. Like that is just the worst feeling in the world. But there's classes and most engineering schools are the same way. It's just, it, it's a weird mentality to know that you didn't just answer everything right, but to be succeeding. And I, we always say the academy teaches you, or they put you in failure situations to like build you up or see how you react. And I think they do it more than any other place. Like they will break you down and they will make sure you fail. They'll push you until you fail. If you're crushing it, they'll find something else to throw at you. <laughs> crazy and I, I think that's how they breed leaders as well as they do you don't learn that in anything else really in life like your family's not gonna like break you down until you fail yeah for I would say for the most part like maybe they will maybe your siblings but every other structure in life is not geared at making you fail it's like geared at making you almost fail it's meant, and it's meant to build you up yeah and I think that's a huge thing in like society these days is people don't like to tell you you failed people don't like to fail and I think that's where you grow the most I mean even if it's not always a growing opportunity in the failure I think you learn the most about yourself or you learn the most about other people watching them fail this can be an aside but I, I do remember you in academy and like failing and it was really hard to watch like we all knew that you were you were falling apart and it, it's tough and to your point like we're not used to seeing that you specifically but like in general, like you're not used to seeing a structure literally actively try to get these kids to fail. And they're kids, they're 18. Like there's no <laughs> way that like I would be doing that at 18. So I remember just, A, watching my brother do that was really, really hard, but just in general, just kind of like, I remember getting pissed off, honestly. I remember being like, I'm sure like calling back and being like, what the fuck are they doing out there with him? Like, I don't get it. And it, it, it definitely made me angry, but maybe to both your guys' points, it's just something that, we're not used to seeing and obviously I mean you guys turn out really well so they know what oh, they're thanks. doing but <laughs> anyway it's definitely a, a strange structure yeah watching anyone be really down and not knowing you can't do anything to bring them up yeah yeah and just sitting in that yes. and like letting them sit in that is my biggest fear is just being helpless terrifying. while someone's yeah. struggling next to me I hate that feeling more than anything in the world I, I can't handle that myself, and then I'm down too. But yeah. like, like you said, when you if someone's struggling next to you and you can't do anything to help them, or you feel helpless as well, that's the worst. That's what I am most scared of, honestly. Wow. That just wow. got crazy deep. We can cut that out. This is like Rachel's opportunity. She's been waiting, <laughs> waiting to ask me all of these questions. Yeah, Becca, what did you ask? <laughs> I just wanted to brag on you because you did a lot of really great things at the academy. You so came you in with, show up with really big uh, no goals to having goals, no goals or reaching to them. Achieving goals anyway. I think that's less on me and more so to like the the people that I mean I had no idea what the academies were. And Miss Rizzi said, "Hey, you might have a shot at this." And I didn't get in the first time, but I was interested in it and I had to go do it again and tried and went to a prep school or whatever. So like, yeah, I got there eventually. Again, I was never top of the class. That was not. I mean, there's the most physically fit people in the world out there and I barely played baseball for three years so I made it through but then even senior year I 
didn't want to be a pilot. It was two weeks before we had to put in for our jobs and I had no idea like what it was. I just knew that, like I was saying before, there's dudes that have been wanting to be pilots since they were three years old and their dad was a pilot and their grandpa was a pilot and they can tell you all about these planes and this was their one goal in life. And I'm like, only a couple hundred people get these slots and I just like, I don't, I honestly felt like I'd be taking it from someone just because it was cool. And I was like, I, I can get out in five years. I wasn't sure that the military was the thing I wanted to be in long term. So I was like, I'll go do something business related um, or, you know, project management engineering wise. And I thought that'd be really cool. And I had yet another mentor come up and be like, hey, you're wrong. You're going to put in for pilot and you're going to give me time to like, if you still don't like it after a month or two, then you can drop it. It's like, all right, great. So I put in for pilot and continued to just, again, just keep my head down. I wasn't sure what I was doing for any of it. I just, they told me to go do this and it was great. And I think my mom said it the most, like I needed that structure. Yeah. I'll kind of someone telling me every step of the way, like I wasn't going to quit and I hated failing at it. So you told me to go do it. I was going to go try to do it the best that I could. And that was just kind of what got me all the way through. I got a pilot slot, barely. <laughs> um, went to pilot training later than most people because I was, you know, kind of at the bottom of that pole for it. And then just kind of kept pushing through C-17 specifically to Charleston, you know, our coach Kaz, it was what he did. He told us everyone that it was the best job and that we had to go do it. I saw my buddies go there and I just kind of kept trying to keep up, I guess, and keep going. I ended up, athletes are much better pilots. They, they just come out with the hand-eye coordination, the feel. They, again, know how to get, they know how to fail. They get gotten yelled at their entire lives by coaches or constructive criticism, if you want to call it that. So, I mean, flying-wise, especially pilot training, I probably failed or hooked half of my flights. There are people that didn't hook a single flight. I could get told that it was a bad day or I did something wrong, and I was like, yeah, I did. <laughs> you're, you're right. That was a, I wasn't a good pilot today. You're, you're totally right. Um, and I just kind of like kept my head down, kept going through. And again, mentors there teaching me how to do it all. I honestly feel like I've had a lot of people put me on the right path and put the right steps in front of me. I just kind of tried to keep moving along with it. I had no idea I was going to end up or wanted C-17s to Charleston until I was halfway through pilot training. I had no idea I wanted to be a pilot until I became, I didn't know I wanted an academy. And now I don't think I'd choose another school in the world to go to for a lot of reasons, but also other schools have been a lot more fun. Seriously, I think it was mentors and people like kind of pushing me in the right direction. I think Miss Rizzi was incredible at that and you know, just looking down and seeing potential or seeing traits of people and trying to lead them in the right direction is crazy and there's some more leadership for you. Know your people, what are they going to be good at and put them in the right situations to succeed. And I think people just kept nudging me along and here I am. Here you are. Here I am. Oh God, Rach, what? <laughs> one more question from Rachel. One more question, and then I'll be quiet. You were talking this about just, like this. Sorry. How was this about <laughs> post? <laughs> what do you do after college? In no, sports? no, no. <laughs> I was gonna just say you, you, you keep, or you, you mentioned a few times that it's a feeling of like just trying to keep up and trying to keep going and putting your head down and knowing that you're not the best and like just trying to make the steps. Does that feeling ever go away? Of, of feeling like you have to keep up or like you're deep response that was good yeah i mean yeah it's like it's it's exhausting to feel like you're just constantly trying to keep up to me not if you're surrounded by the right people i don't ever really want to be the best around me then what's pushing me and i kind of talked about before i'm not very good at pushing myself like i if i'm i can't go work out by myself like i just it's never a good workout i'll go do it but just kind of getting through the motions like i I think if you're not surrounding yourself with people that are pushing you to be better, then 
you're being complacent. So, yeah, it's exhausting. Tucker and Ryan are probably the best two. I might be top tier of pods around us at our age group, but they're always better than me, and it's the worst. <laughs> Ryan Hallway beats me at everything in sports. It's the worst. Tucker Jacobs is one of the best people I know, and it's annoying how he's just always, like, thinking of someone more than you or one step ahead of you. And those are my two best friends in the world. So, yeah, like, it's exhausting. It's annoying. But it also pushes me to, you know, be better. You guys, like Jen was saying, my sisters are some of the most incredible people doing just the craziest, most unique things in their stories. Blows my mind most of the time. Katie is somehow working like 80 hour weeks and still has time to remember everyone's birthday and is on top of everything. Always reminding me to do things. Like, I think surrounding yourself with those right people is, again, what pushes me. Um, and I encourage other people to do it, but it's like, I, I hate the feeling of complacency in that and without surrounding yourself with people that are better than you. If you're not exhausted, you're not working hard. Two last questions. Oh, God. What's your walkout song? <laughs> <laughs> My wife's going to kill you for that. Every, every year, I've just spent weeks trying to figure out what my walkout song was. And I hated every one of the ones I picked. <laughs> every time it would come on, like, damn, that was not the right choice. Song that never fails to get me going, like before a run or a workout or something, Runaway by Bon Jovi. Okay. Great little piano intro, just like kind of gets your head bopping, you know? Yeah. I don't think the lyrics apply to me at all, but it's a fun walkout <laughs> song. That's fun. We'll That's go with one. that. Okay. <laughs> and last one, what is the hottest take you have? Ooh. It can't be any of the ones we've already talked about. This weekend? It can't be. We already talked about it. Okay, I have one, but I said this to Rachel yesterday, but I didn't say this to anyone else. Oh, maybe I said it to Becca. I don't think crepes are very good. Yeah, you said that to me for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think you're wrong. <laughs> they're just like so thin. You can have a pancake. They're not that fluffy. Yeah, but something. Thin. All the same toppings. Mm -hmm. You put more toppings on a crepe. Wait, Joe has a lot. Oh. What you got, Beck? What am I not thinking of? Jello is. Meat. Oh, no, that's not. That's not. <laughs> That's not me. Jealous stop, stop. We're not getting into that conversation. I really didn't like Breaking Bad. Oh. I don't know. A lot of people like that. What? Harry Potter's not that good. Okay. <laughs> um, Cut off. Katie, come on. I know you get mad at me for opinions that. all the time. It's just that you are opinionated. It's not that <laughs> they are in particular. Harry Potter is good. It's like fine. I don't get why there's like a cult following for it. I think this is where we end it. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing more to say to you right now. Wow. Okay, that's a really good hot take. Well, that was amazing. I'm glad we had y'all here too. Okay, we'll, we'll leave it there. <laughs> Thanks, babe.